Joining me in studio this evening is Alix Verips, and her book Brunch Across 11 Countries is now in bookstores around South Africa. Her grandparents whet her appetite for travel, and after a short-lived career in journalism, she set out to see the world, and along the way, she taught herself to cook. Well, I've tried teaching myself to cook, and I'm definitely nowhere near anywhere close to where Alix is now. Alix, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. And congratulations on this fabulous book. It's absolutely the most amazing. I must say, your nephew, I believe, took the photographs. He did. Stunning pictures. I mean, literally, want to eat the pages. Well, he'll he'll enjoy that because he's actually a fashion photographer. Oh, is he? And but he used to be a chef, and uh, so I thought it would be a good melding of his talents because um, he actually helped me with a few doing, prepping a few of the dishes when we were shooting. So oh, very useful. Not only was the, yes. Very useful nephews coming you handy went, every now and again. He went to the um, to that amazing pastry school in uh, just outside of Paris. So he's, that was his uh, specialty. Oh, okay. Well, the nice people should invite them around every now and again for tea, yes. hoping they'll come and either make something or bring something with them. Tell me about this book. Well, first of all, let's go back to your story. You were at school, your home economics teacher did, decided maybe you shouldn't try switching on a stove or trying to cook something. You weren't doing too well there. No, I was completely useless in the kitchen. I had no interest in cooking. My mother is an amazing cook, but she never... Uh, tried to teach me and uh, I remember always saying to her I'd have to marry a very rich man who could take me to restaurants every night because um, I, there was no way I was ever going to learn how to cook. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? You went overseas as, to work as a governess initially? Yes, originally I was an, an au pair and uh, the family I worked for um, required me to cook dinner for them but uh, of course I wanted the job so badly I told them I could cook which I couldn't uh, so I just went <laughs> went over there armed with um, some of my mother's recipes which I I hadn't tried out. I was just going to oh. wing it. And uh, so I didn't actually use any of her recipes. I just started cooking and it came naturally to me. I was quite surprised. And uh, when when I used to bump into their friends, I'd say, oh, you're the, you're the au pair that's such a good cook. And, you know, much to my surprise. <laughs> uh, so that's where I've developed a love for cooking. And how I ended up being a chef was I really love to travel. That's my actual passion. And when I got a job on a yacht, I didn't really want to be a stewardess cleaning toilets and making beds all That's day. what you did initially, though. I had to. <laughs> so I had to kind of work my way up from the bottom. But um, I managed to find a job on a, on a boat that nobody else wanted to work on. So um, that was my initial foot in the door. And I started off as a crew cook and uh, managed to prove myself. And actually, the owner of that yacht in the end bought a restaurant in Miami for me to open. So um worked my way up in the kitchen and... Yeah, now I've written a book. <laughs> so, so basically people that have a passion for cooking can feel good about themselves if they listen to you because you've had no actual initially formal training and yet you've worked your way up to this position. You've had a lot of sort of help along the way subsequently. Well, I've, I, I do read a lot and I do try to teach myself. But yes, I'm primarily self-taught. Um, I was very fortunate this particular person who made me, who I was the head chef on his boat. He was a, a Cuban gentleman, uh, um, but he'd made his money in Spain and uh, he loved Spanish cuisine. So he used to send me, for a year, he sent me to all of his favorite restaurants mm. around Spain to learn to make his we favorite dishes. so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was great, you know, to be able to have, um, you know, be in these amazing restaurants and learn to make those dishes the way they're meant to be made with the traditional, with the local ingredients. And so that was a great opportunity. Then he also said, well, if I want to 
do any other courses, he'd pay for me to do them while he was, if he was off on a golf tour or whatever. So um, I did quite a few courses at the Cunnery Institute of America, which is a beautiful facility out in the Napa Valley. And uh, so I combined a few cooking uh, classes with some wine tasting <laughs> at my boss's expense. This is the life. This is the absolute <laughs> life. But the thing, I mean, I mentioned in the very beginning your grandparents had whet your appetite for travelling. They told you lots of travel stories when you were growing up. And what your job now has been up for a long time now is sailing and going to all these amazing places and also enjoying your cooking and learning so much more. So you've had the best of both worlds, basically. I have. I think from a very young age, I've always wanted to travel. I mean, my grandparents actually lived in Egypt during the war, but they were from European descent. And they had done quite a bit of traveling and lived in various places. And they always used to tell me all these wonderful stories. And I mean, they had a real colonial life where, you know, they went, my grandmother went to finishing school in Switzerland. And, you know, they'd go into sailing in the south of France and on yachts and so they had quite a I think luxurious travel probably I mean I'm, I've never been one to backpack across <laughs> I feel across pain, yeah. mm. I mean my idea of of camping and staying in a three-star hotel I say that all the so. time <laughs> well that's if my husband says that's what I assume camping is or you know being hard done by as a three-star hotel mm. but I remember when I first uh, got into the yachting industry. My grandfather was still alive, and I used to phone him from a, a ticky box wherever I was, and I'd say, "Oh, Overpa, I'm in Corfu," and he'd say, "Oh, you have to walk up that hill, and there's this amazing little church, and they've got this beautiful mural on the ceiling, and or." He'd say, oh, you have to go to, there's this really interesting cemetery on that hill. And so he always used to kind of be my guide because he'd been to so many places. He spoke eight languages. And, uh, yes, they were quite, I mean, they also instilled the good life with me. I used to, instead of having toast, I used to have croissants. Um, and, and cafe au lait as a little girl. So this <laughs> life of, of cruising around on these yachts, these absolutely fabulous yachts, these amazing places, was literally right up your alley. This was like home. You were like coming home by the sounds of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think I was born to do it. Yeah. <laughs> now, what, basically, so you were working on these yachts, but also at the same time, these yachts were going to the most amazing places. And obviously, being on the yacht, you went along. Yes, well, um, that's one of the perks of the mm. job. Uh, so you don't always have, the owners aren't always on on board. Um, I mean, you work pretty hard when you do have your owners on board, and uh, you don't get off the yacht much. But you know, once they leave, then uh, the, the the mask can play, and uh, you know, to be in an amazing port like Nice or Saint Tropez or wherever, and to be able to go and explore. And I did take full advantage of that. I mean, there's a lot of other yachties that would go crawl over to the closest bar and just you know mm. see the, explore the inside of a beer glass um, I used to take every opportunity I had and I'd rent a car and drive into the hills and go and eat at little restaurants and just go exploring and so I think um, you know I've really made the most of having had that wonderful opportunity to go to these places for free and get and get paid, and get paid to do too. it, actually. Now, the book, as I mentioned, is called Brunch Across 11 Countries. So what you've done is you've actually, each chapter of the book is a different place that you've been to, and you've done a brunch in that of that particular area. You sort of tied it in with where you are and the food of the region. Not always. I mean, for example, my favourite chapter in here is when you went to Sydney in Australia, and there you didn't actually do Australian food, but it was the Chinese New Year. So you did my favourite thing, the dim sum. So what you do is, you, how the book is laid out is you've actually got a little story in the beginning about where you are and what you're going to see and the things around there, and then you give some recipes 
of that particular region. As I said, my favourite was the dim sum from Chinese New Year. Well, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed that because I, it was. I, I really wanted to incorporate a, mm. a chapter on dim sum because it's such a real brunch meal um, and didn't really know how to do it because obviously I'd never been to China on a boat. I've been on many slow boats to China. But yeah, not to actually China. <laughs> um, and having spent quite a lot of time in 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 Sydney, I, I thought I could incorporate it because they've got such a, a large Asian influence there. And uh, so, yes, every every chapter is, a, is what I like to think a culinary voyage through that place. And uh, I mean, most of the recipes are authentic or have authentic influences from that country, but I made them up, really. Or a lot of the recipes are just made-up recipes just um, with the local ingredients. Some of them are, uh, you know, authentic brunches, but I just... Uh, one, of your, one of the places I sort of was reading about it, and I thought that is seriously the lap of luxury, the Monaco Grand Prix when you were in Monaco. I mean, literally, the yachts... You see it when you watch the Grand Prix. The yachts are literally almost on the racetrack, and they're that close that you can sit on, the, on board and watch the, the race. Well, that's an amazing experience. I mean, you 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 definitely need to have earplugs because yeah, it's yeah. like having a billion bees buzzing in your brain. But I mean, the thrill. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. Uh, I've I've been lucky to have been to a few Monaco Grand Prix, and uh, yes, it, I don't think that, I, I don't know if any other Grand Prix can compare to that. And of course, you know, with the yachts and the luxury, and it's just a very very opulent little hub. We talk about Mon- the luxury. I mean, you mentioned in there, I think it costs $100,000 just for a berth for the yacht. Yes. I mean, that's insane. Especially when you think about the South African rand and you start converting and you sort of think, no. Well, you know, that's that's the price, the going price. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think maybe it's standardized now. But in the past, when I first got into the yachting industry, there were a lot of port masters that used to drive around in Ferraris because they were getting a lot of backhanders oh, from right. yacht owners no, to... Okay. To secure a berth because, you know, in season there's only so many berths. Mm. I mean, like in Portofino, I think they can fit maybe four large yachts in there. So if your boss wants to be in Portofino, you're going to bend over backwards to get him in there no matter how much it costs. Yes, I mean, the places you've been to, I mean, you've been to the Bahamas, I mentioned Sydney and the Monaco Grand Prix, the Greek Isles, your food, fabulous, the Greek food that you did there. Oh, thank you. Let's talk about some of the food that you've got. We're talking about all the places, because I'm just so envious of all those places, not envious about the time on the boat, because I don't do well on boats, but envious of the places. So let's talk about some of the food associated with the places where you've been. Well, What is your favourite place, first of all? Oh, gosh, it's hard to have a favourite place, but I think I've always had a a love affair with Spain because that was the first place I went to in Europe and that's where I learned to cook. So, um, and and I'm very fortunate that I still go to Spain once a year. Um, my present boss has got a beautiful villa in Mallorca. So I get my Spanish fix then. I go and stock up on all my Spanish ingredients. And so I think Spain will always have a, a special place in my heart. Although I think because... I mean, I just love Italy as well. Capri is just the most magical place. The simplicity of the ingredients and the flavours that just come together in that hot sun. And uh, I don't know, um, it's hard to pick a favourite. But yes, I would say probably Spain and then and then Italy and then, well, maybe France. But um, the food, I try to keep simple so that everybody could do these recipes. I mean, I would love it if people started a brunch club because there's 11 mm. chapters and, um, you know, if a few friends got together and then have once a month on maybe on a Sunday because that's a, 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 good, a good day for brunch. Mm. And, um, you know, a few friends got together and they made a few dishes from each chapter and then worked their way around the world. 
Do you rather not? I know what's on my menu for this weekend is your sesame prawn sesame. Oh, I just love prawn sesame. What's the sesame prawn toast? Love that. Oh, well, I'm actually going to be making it myself it's for my lawns and knives now. It's difficult because I've had it in restaurants before and I thought, mm, if I'll be able to make this. I read your recipe. I thought, I could actually do that. You no, know, it's very easy. Mm. It's, it's, Lots of things in there like, I could actually do that. Well, that's good because I, tr- I tried to make them as easy as possible. Mm. I didn't. It's not a, a, a book for chefs. It's not a chef's book. It's for, it's written for everybody and to just enjoy food and enjoy the meal of brunch because, you know, brunch is a, a meal that, you know, it can be any. It can it doesn't have to be breakfast or lunch or dinner. It's just a combination of all meals as long as you can. Uh, Mix it with some uh, some bubbles, or always, and uh, not eat it in a hurried fashion. <laughs> I think in the chapter, I think it's the second chapter, the pheasant shooting in the shires. You actually say in there that it's become an English sort of favourite now because they sort of say it's a combination of breakfast, elevenses, and lunch. You know, they combine three things into one. It was them, yes, yes yeah. Yes, well, I just, um, was, you know, they have 11 Zs and they have breakfast. And so, yeah, I just I just thought brunch was a great combination to bring all of those together. I must say, I really enjoyed the fact that you included us in your book. You have brunch in the bush. Uh, well, I couldn't not include <laughs> my roots. Yes, that chapter has got more picnic-style mm. food. So it's, you know, traditional dishes, but with a... Twist. With a twist. Uh, just uh, the twist. I mean, I was amazed by the twist. You've got babuetti cups and phyllo pastry, which I thought was amazing. You do them in muffin tins yes. with the phyllo pastry. And also my favourite thing of, in all the world when it comes to puddings is malfa pudding. And you did them as little tarts. Little cupcakes, Little yes. cupcake things, as opposed to doing the whole big malfa pudding thing that I normally do. It's these individual little things you can take along, as you say, on a picnic. Well, I was very fortunate. Um, one of my previous bosses had um, a game... Uh, lodge up near um, or in Quisali Natal so I used to have to make a lot of picnic style food there for their guests and so that was my inspiration so really, as I said, really nice that you've included us. The one thing I saw right in the very beginning of the book, I mean, you obviously work for the rich and the famous, but some sort of, you know, you cannot disclose who it is you're working for because you've signed all these confidentiality contracts with all these people. So I'd love to sit here and say, who is it? Who is it? But you can't tell me. So <laughs> just like to have to know, when you talk about the places you go and where, what you're doing, obviously it's the rich and the famous that you're working for. It must be an amazing lifestyle to witness. It is amazing. I mean, maybe one day I'll have to write a, 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 a biography um, under a pseudonym. <laughs> then they won't be able to see me. But, I mean, so let's go through some of the other places. Also the Bahamas. But the very unusual food there was slightly different. It's not what we would normally eat. No, that's more because it's, you know, the Bahamas, that's more the traditional food from the Bahamas where, you know, they don't have too many ingredients it, it's just what they get from the land and um, you know it's so hot there that people don't really enjoy cooking too much yeah I've actually I watch quite a lot of cooking cha- channels on the television and I've seen this chicken I'm not quite sure sauce or sauce, sauce that they make it's, it just looked to me like a very watery looking thing but apparently it's quite the thing over there it is very watery but it's very flavorful mm. and so that's why you need to make the Johnny cakes to dip yeah, in it yeah I saw that <laughs> yes yeah I saw that in the beginning this is I quite like the sweet potato fish cakes I thought that was rather different yes it actually gives it a really nice flavour and uh, I mean the 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 Caribbean cuisine always has that little sweet tang to mm. it I think a little sweet and spicy and um, so it just gives it a nice and it gives it a nice colour yes and then the, the aioli as well which is, is rather nice this all, I mean there's lots of I mean the recipes in here that you probably would have seen in other places but you've given them a, in some cases a slight twist to them and also in my view anyway you've you've made them easier for me to be able to possibly make because I look at I, I collect 
recipe books and I've got loads of them that I just look at the pictures because I look at the how to make something and I thought you've got to be kidding I'll be standing here for a month trying to do that it just looks seriously complicated your stuff I could look well I could actually do that I like well, books well you're not I the only one I also I don't really follow recipes but if I do page to a recipe book I also just look at it for the pictures but if there's more than you know so many ingredients and if it, <laughs> more than a few paragraphs I also lose interest so I wanted to try and make it as easy as possible. Yeah. I'm looking at the moment at my favourite chapter, the one on the Chinese New Year in in Sydney. All these fabulous... I could just literally... It's making me hungry now. And this actually, the steamed pork rib with black bean sauce, that actually looks really nice. It's very nice and it's so easy to make, really. I mean, you can see in the recipe. Yes. I, I don't even think it's... Well, I look at the always look at the ingredients. Do I have them in my cupboard? Most of the time, yes, I do. Um, but it's you know you don't have to go and buy a lot of stuff. A lot of the recipes you get as well are things that you you have to go look for because the supermarket isn't going to have them. Whereas there's nothing in here that I think I wouldn't be able to get in the supermarket. Well, the, that was one of the requirements from the publishers. They said it had to be made with ingredients that are readily available in South Africa. So that's how I you know decided on those recipes. Yeah, and I'm looking at my favourite thing, as I mentioned it quite a lot earlier, that I was going to be making this week, and the sesame prawn toast. I didn't realise it was quite that simple to make, no, it's to be really honest. Easy. I'm also, as I said, I'm also going to be making it on Friday. It's actually it's super. Can I ask you a favour? Whenever I speak to somebody who's produced fabulous recipe books, I always ask whether I might offer one of the recipes in the book to my listeners. So if they would like a taste of what's in your book... And I could possibly then give them a recipe. Would, would you? Oh, I would love that. Okay. What could you pick something that you, you think that they would like? Something relatively simple. Well, why don't you pick it? Well, how about the sesame prawn well, toast? Well, that's my favourite thing. Can I, <laughs> I offer them the sesame prawn Absolutely. toast recipe? It is really easy, and honestly, it's it's maybe not worth making or inviting people when you make it because you'll actually want to eat it all yourself. And even the sweet chilli sauce to accompany mm. it is, is very easy. I mean, people think you know they're always buying bottles of sweet chilli oh, sauce. I love on that stuff. There's so much MSG and stuff in it, and it's so simple to make. It really, um, you know, you can make a nice big batch of it and keep it in your fridge, and it, it makes all the difference in the world if it's uh, homemade. Okay, so if you'd like the recipe for sesame prawn toast and the sweet chilli sauce that goes with it, just drop me a mail to travel at safm.co.za. I'll send you that recipe, and hopefully, like me, you will thoroughly enjoy it. As I say, one of the fav- my favourite things to order when I'm in a restaurant and I see it on the menu, I definitely have to have that, regardless of what else I'm having. have to have sesame prawn toast. So, Alex, where are you now? You are South African. You are here currently at the moment on holiday, are you? Well, if, and you, can call it, if you can call yeah. it a holiday. <laughs> I feel like I've just been zipping around the country. But, um, yes, I am here on holiday. I only work eight months of the year oh. um, by choice. <laughs> so I have I have unpaid leave for four months of the year. And you come back to South Africa most of the time. And then I come back time. to South Africa. I have a beautiful, well, I have a home in Neisner, which I'm currently also in the process of demolishing and rebuilding. So that's another big project. On Were you okay with those fires that we had recently? You know, unfortunately... <laughs> I was. I think I was the only person who'd wished that my house had burned down because I'd already put everything in storage and my demolition permit was going in that week. So the fires would have actually saved me a lot of trouble. But it is really heartbreaking. You know, so many of Mm -hmm. my friends lost everything. And so, um, yeah, I mean, everything around my house burned down except my house. I don't know whether to say you were lucky or what you were, but obviously it wasn't meant to be for you. Yes, well. So you're currently here on this sort of supposed holiday. And then off you go back overseas. Where do you go from here now? Well, I've got um, I've got my two launches. I've got a launch in Niza this week and then in Cape Town. And then on Sunday, I hop on a plane and head back to New York just in time for Thanksgiving. Oh, right. That's coming up at the end of the, of the month. Yes, mm. next Thursday, Faster, actually. Yeah. So, um, 
so I'm going to be doing Thanksgiving dinner and yes then then the crazy Christmas season hits us so there's quite a few events and my boss does a lot of entertaining I was just looking at the numbers I got an update of the numbers for a Christmas party and it's already at 214 and there's I assume you have a big staff I don't really I have I do have a sous chef a full-time sous chef which is quite nice but yeah it's those those events are quite quite difficult. I mean, you can imagine like how big the apartment must be if they can. It's at 200 now. I mean, it could get bigger. Well, there's 166 not confirmed yet. So, oh, yeah. but oh, I love those events. It's always fun to to put them on. And I mean, they have the most beautiful, the most beautiful apartment and the most beautiful serving dishes and, you know, everything is just exquisite. So, you know, when you're in an environment like that, it's it's fun to be able to... Well, the first chapter in your book actually was the American Thanksgiving because you were actually in the Hamptons for that, for this particular chapter. Yes, that chapter. was actually, um, it's actually 4th of July. Oh, 4th of July, sorry, yes, no, because everything red, white and blue in here, I could just, that's all I can remember, 4th of July in the Hamptons, yes. And I mean, some of these dishes as well, I mean, you've got amazing things, like patriotic pancakes, for example, and the one I liked was these beef sliders stuffed with blue cheese and bacon. Yes. So, and I liked the way you did them because you actually, because I always battled to make little ones and you said you used the lid of a jar or something yes. and you just form them in the in the lid. And I thought, oh, I'll try that next time. It's actually really, mm. really easy. So there's some really useful, that, that's the other thing in here as well. You give us lots of tips about things. It's not just the recipes. You're giving, not in every recipe, for example, but some of them you have a little story with them as well, a little tips on things, how to do them. So it's, it's full of fascinating bits and pieces. And as you said, it's not just a recipe book. It's, what did you call it? A culinary voyage. A culinary voyage. That is exactly what it is because we're joining you all around the world, experiencing where you go, plus the food that you're making there. Did you have fun writing this? I did. I wrote it very quickly because um, I actually missed my deadline by months and my publishers were very kind to let me <laughs> let me still submit my manuscript even though I was way past the deadline. But it, I just... I actually came home and uh, a friends of mine, because I'd already moved out of my house, so they let me stay in their beautiful home on the heads. Mm. So I literally just submersed myself into my writing. And I it took me six weeks, actually. Wow, that's actually it. So very it was quick. quite quick. Was it a journalism I, that I did you did in the very beginning? Write. That journalism course you did in the beginning obviously was of some help at this point. Yes, well, I do enjoy writing. Mm. And so it was a... I, I just found it, it was difficult. I was planning to... to while I was working, write a chapter. I mean, I did taste a lot of the recipes while I was working, but to actually sit down and write after you've worked a 16-hour day is, is a little bit <laughs> difficult. And uh, so, but it, it, I really enjoyed it, and I, I hope this isn't the only one I do. Well, I certainly hope not. Well, you've, I'm sure you've got lots more places to go. Or well, you haven't written, have you written about all the places you've been to? No, I, well, originally, originally the um, book was going to be called Cooking in 20 Languages, because that was what my boss once, um, we had a dinner a couple of years ago, and uh, Barbara Streisand was there, and she asked me to come to the to the table to meet me and tell me what she enjoyed. And and then all of the other people that were there, Duke of Wellington, and, you know, there's quite a few interesting people. There's only eight. And they all started talking about my food and how it felt like they were visiting different countries every day because I quite like to keep a theme. I quite like to stick to a, a, a specific cuisine. And, um, and so then my boss looked up at me and he paid me the best compliment that anyone's ever paid me. And he said, Alex can cook in 20 languages. And that was actually the inspiration of my book 
was cooking in 20 languages. Mm. But then 20 was a bit too many chapters to do in one go. So oh, well, I'm looking forward to, to 11. <laughs> I'm looking forward to, to book two then. There's obviously lots more you can put into book two. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, I certainly hope so because I've thoroughly enjoyed this one. And really, if you you need to, if you're interested in in food from around the world in a simple way that you, you and me, not fabulous chefs like Alix over here, but regular people like us who can make honestly, you can do it from this book. It is absolutely fabulous. And as I mentioned, if you want that recipe for the sesame prawn toast and the sweet chili oh yeah, sauce, and the sweet chili sauce, just drop me a mail to travel at safm.co.za, and I will certainly send you that. But Alix, honestly, congratulations on this fabulous book. I hope it does extremely well for you. And you can, I wish you much success in your future. It sounds like you've got a very amazing future out there for you, all these wonderful places and people that you're meeting. Enjoy. Well, thank you very much, and um, I hope you enjoy cooking the recipes in my book. Oh, I certainly am going to be doing that. I've been chatting to Alix Verrips, and her book, Brunch Across 11 Countries, is published by Human and Rousseau, and it's available in all good bookstores now.